Hello and welcome to Weekly MTG, the only show coming to you from inside Wizards of the Coast headquarters in Renton, Washington. I'm your host, Blake, um, but I bet you're here to see our guest today. Benjamin Wheeler, sitting sitting over, no, oh, oh, this way, I never get the direction right. It's over here. Uh, ben, Ben, why don't you, for, for those who don't know you, who are you? What do you do? Well... Blake, thank you for having me. First off, it's great to be here. Um, my name is Ben Wheeler. Uh, I'm a Twitch partnered streamer that streams uh, this game called Magic the Gathering. I've heard you of it. You may have seen me tweet about it once or twice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm also a member of Loading Ready Run, where we do a lot of stuff involving this game called Magic the Gathering, mm -hmm. uh, such mm -hmm. as the pre pre releases and all that jazz. Um, but more than all that, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a dog owner, and, well, frankly, I'm a singleton magic degenerate. And that is what we are here to talk about today. That was that was yeah. a fantastic trans transition. You did that well. So we today are going to talk about... So Commander Legends is coming out this week, which is very exciting. Uh, but we've kind of talked about Commander and Commander Legends. It's right there in the title. It's been the focus. But... Other singleton formats are going to benefit from all these cards as well. And uh, if you if you have any sense of my tastes in formats, I've always looked for little ways to talk about Canadian Highlander on this show. This seemed like a good opportunity. So we are going to talk about other singleton formats. We're going to introduce a few of them, talk about them if you aren't familiar. And then we're going to talk about Commander Legends cards that we're excited for in these singleton formats. So talking singleton formats, who else could I bring on but one Benjamin Wheeler? Uh, before we get to that, we do have two pieces of news in case you missed them this week. First of all, we finally announced the long delayed release date for Unfinity, which is coming October 7th. October 7th is the new April 1st for Unfinity. So uh, look for previews to happen closer to that date. Uh, but the set itself will be coming out October 7th. Uh, additionally, this week we had a banned and restricted announcement uh, in Pioneer, where Winota, Joiner of Forces, and Expressive Iteration were both banned in Pioneer. And Pioneer's sister format, Explorer, on uh, MTG Arena, uh, Winota was already banned, and so Expressive Iteration followed suit. Uh, we also did, in that announcement, talk a little bit about the health of other formats. So if you want to read more about that, head to dailymtg.com and look for the BNR announcement from two days ago. All right, let's talk singleton formats, wheelers. So we're going to, we're going to go over five singleton formats. Now there are, um, we're going to go through five. There are dozens of these things, fan created, lots of different versions. You know, we could go into things like four color and judge's mm -hmm. tower and things like that, but we're do not you, going to. Do you want the history on prismatic? Because I've got it. I bet you could. <laughs> Chat, Wheeler and I are going to make references to things that are very old, and they may be older than some of you watching. That could happen. Uh, we apologize in advance, except we don't apologize because this show is for us, let's be honest. Um, but let's talk about singleton formats. Uh, first up is um, the one that's near and dear to both our hearts, Canadian Highlander. So Canadian Ooh. Highlander... 
Uh, it's a 100-card singleton format. So that uh, we are talking about singleton formats. I'll just give this definition once. Singleton means no more than one copy of any card except basic lands. Uh, you get 10 points, which I'm going to have Wheeler talk about in a second. Uh, there's no sideboards. You play 20 life, and you can find the point list at that gobbledygook down at the bottom there. So, Wheeler, tell us about this point system that makes Canadian Highlander unique. Sure. So there's a thing that I use a lot when talking about singleton formats, which is the promise of the format, where it's mm -hmm. like, if you're showing up to play it, you know, we guarantee one thing will happen. And for Canadian Highlander, it's that your deck will be legal. We guarantee <laughs> your deck's going to be legal, assuming you follow the singleton rule, because um, there are no banned cards aside for, well, the cards that are banned in everything, anti cards, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, you know, RIP jeweled bird. But um, other than that, nope, good to go. You want to play Black Lotus? Sure. You want to play Ancestor Recall? Be my guest. You want to play Goblin Guide? Ouch. Um, Why would you do that? And so you get to play all these cool cards, but if we let someone show up with a deck that has all of these broken cards <laughs> together, well, that might be a little unfun, and they might also be my round three opponent in Vintage Cube. Um, so what we use is a points list. Mm -hmm. And basically, each card has, I mean, it's not every card, but there's a, a series of cards that have a number of points set to them. For instance, Black Lotus, pretty good magic card, has seven points. So if you wanted to add Black Lotus to your deck, it would take seven points. And then you would have three remaining pointed cards or three remaining points that you could use with pointed cards when fleshing mm -hmm. out the rest of your deck. Mm -hmm. um, so for instance, uh, Yogmoss Will or Underworld Breach, two extremely powerful cards that are very good with Black Lotus. Mm -hmm. They cost some number of points uh, that would then fill out your entire uh, point spread. And it's really cool. It's not just power nine. There yeah. are other cards mm -hmm. uh, that we don't really want to have running completely untethered, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. Thassa's Oracle was one of those that's just bumped to yep. seven points. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With good reason. Fine. I'm not going to. Yeah. We're not going to talk particular points on this show, although maybe no. we will. Who knows? We might get into it. Um, but let's talk about a couple other formats before we dive into the cards. Um, a a sort of, I'll call it a cousin of Canadian Highlander. I don't actually know which one predates the other. You might. Uh, Australian Highlander. So this is another pointed format. So it's seven-point Highlander. So there are seven mm -hmm. points. Uh, the differences are it's a 60-card singleton format rather than 100. And it, you do have sideboards. So you have 15-card sideboards. Also, 20 life. Uh, you can find the points list at 7ph.com.au. Uh, now, Wheeler, have you played Australian Highlander? I've played a bit. Um, Canadians and Australians get along very well. Mm -hmm. uh, two <laughs> they're different sides of the same coin, in a way. Um, and it's a format that has, like, uh, you know, I feel blessed by the the communities for Canlander and for uh, Gladiator, just absolute, you know, diehard players. Mm -hmm. But the people that love Seven Point uh highlander they love seven point highlander um and it's mm -hmm. it, it's truly again like you like even you said what came first i think it was you know honestly within like a the same year that okay. both of these sprouted up 
mm-hmm. um, or really kind of uh, flourished into something similar to what they are now. Um, but as somebody that has been involved with Canadian Highlander, I constantly look to the the Australians and the Seven Point Highlander for just the sense of community, the mm-hmm. the discussions, and all that. Yeah. Is there is there any so I there's, we're going to start with a good question in chat, and then we'll ask my question. Uh, you know, there there are points. They said, who determines the points for these formats? Uh, so for Canadian Highlander, we have a council. Uh, it is a collection of players that either have been involved with the format for a decade plus, or, you know, it's it's not to throw around the word created the format, but have effectively been involved during with the creation of the format, or yeah. were involved with the creation of the format. So people that have, you know, they've been all Canlander all the time for basically their entire magic career. And like you mm-hmm. said, these, some of these people might have been playing Canlander longer than some of the Canlander players have been, well, alive. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they know a thing or two about tapping a library of Alexandria or activating a survival of the fittest. Just had heart palpitations, but go on. Um, uh, I was, yeah, I shouldn't have said library. My apologies. Don't say, you can't say library of Alexandria a lot. Okay. Um, the the then corollary question is, you know, Canadian Highlander, Australian Highlander. Do the because you've you've been on uh, and are you currently on the Canadian Highlander uh, committee? I want to say no, but at the same time, it's one of those things where, like, I took a step back from doing those responsibilities, uh, yeah. focusing on Gladiator. But then it's like, did I really actually leave? You know, like, I'm still floating around, uh, being annoying, mm-hmm. talking about Mishra's workshop, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So do, do the committees ever, do you think, take cues from each other? Like, one side increases their points on something, and the other side's like, oh, yeah, we should probably do that, too. Yeah, quite a bit, actually. And even if it doesn't necessarily lead into a change in our respective lists, it could lead to just discovering, you know, tech from other communities. You know, like, for instance, there was a card called Scheming Symmetry, which is a tutor that is symmetrical, I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, that was making a real ruckus over in Seven Point, Mm. but was wholly unplayed in... Uh, Canadian Highlander. Now, obviously, 60 card versus 100 card is going to lead to some stuff, yep. but that's not a card that would have necessarily been on our radar because if it's good enough to get, you know, pointed in one format, then it's probably at least good enough to, you know, pay some attention to. Yeah. For the other formats. So, yeah. Um, chat keeps calling for this, so we're going to move on to our <laughs> next singleton format because we just do what okay. chat wants. It's just. Mm-hmm. Don't chat's gonna story of my life. Um, Gladiator. So you just mentioned you'd step back from Gladiator. So I'm gonna read mm-hmm. through this, but then I'm gonna let you take it. So hundred card, uh, MTG Arena Singleton, band list, uh, no sideboard, twenty life, and you can find the band list at gladiator.blog/about-gladiator. Uh, so Gladiator Wheeler, where did mm-hmm. this format come from? What's the story behind it? So it was actually birthed out of um, at the beginning of kind of quarantine mm-hmm. where you had a bunch of Canadian Highlander players not able to go out to Canadian Highlander events. Yeah. Um, and 
webcam magic is you know something that even now i i still will participate in and all that jazz but it didn't scratch that same itch sure and people were looking for a way to just be able to pop in play games get out and kind of have a forever deck and so uh, it was actually prompted from a loading ready run stream where it's like, yeah, we should have something like this. And so kind of got together with people uh, that I knew within my own personal community and through the Canadian Highlander community and talking about like, so what do we do? Like, how do we do this? Is it just as easy as it's the cards available in Arena except mm -hmm. Oko? And then it was just that. Um, obviously, it's evolved <laughs> from that a little bit. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just for lack of better terms, Highlander on Arena. Yeah. It's great. People get to pop, you know, they get to pop open Arena, play for two hours on a weekday or whatever, and then just, you know, turn it off. They get to, we have events running, uh, a super active Discord, playing in weekly events, leagues, tournaments, all that jazz. Um, and it's all, it's global. That's my favorite mm -hmm. part about it, is that, you know, there isn't really a language barrier when it comes to Earthshaker Kenra or, you know, Questing Beast. So, yeah. yeah. There might be a bit of a language barrier on Questing Beast. Uh, That's more just the barrier of how much text there is. You can't get through. That's just the fact that there is language on that card <laughs> yeah. and a lot of it. Mm -hmm. um, so when you when Gladiator came about, um, you, you said it came about from a lot of people who were Canadian Highlander people. Did you discuss mm -hmm. a points list at all? Because the band list is kind of the big difference besides the card pool. We we did discuss a points list, and that is probably the number one thing that gets asked to me about Gladiator <laughs> is, would you ever consider a points list? And my stance on the points lists are that they are really just a, they're a, you know, you need to have them for formats like Canlander to function where mm -hmm. you have the points list because again the promise of the format is that you can play with anything yeah. and to ban cards in a format where you can play with anything doesn't really line up you know it, yeah. it's a little clunkier than saying like you could do whatever you want except black lotus time walk ancestor recall yada 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 um and so because the card pool for gladiator uh, while still very large is not as large as every magic card that's ever existed um you don't really need to kind of weave in and out. You could just kind of say like, hey, Field of the Dead doesn't exactly lead to interesting gameplay. <laughs> we could yeah. probably not have that, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, the ban list is just, it's also a lot easier to communicate. Gladiator is a format, I think, where one of the biggest strengths is ease of entrance. And sure. uh, it has a lower uh, kind of load on what you kind of have to keep track of when you're making your deck you literally just have to say well i can't include these cards and i can add whatever else i want mm -hmm. how hmm. how long is the band list six cards okay i, I uh, just gotta make sure I'm not... probably uh oko thief of crowns that one's a real stinker mm -hmm. uh teferi uh time raveler Okay. Uh, also a bit of a stinker. Um, Nexus of Fate, Field of the Dead, mm -hmm. and Natural Order. Right. Five cards. <laughs> Natural yeah. Order, right. That card exists. Yes, Arena. as of right now, five cards. And then I wink at the camera. Yeah. Chet, and then we Chet got it too. Yeah, five cards. <laughs> yes. 
Um, now you mentioned there are regular events for Gladiator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we the on the Discord we have a, a set of leagues or weekly tournaments, um, including you know separate events for different time zones. Because again, uh, Gladiator is for the whole world; <laughs> everybody can play. So even if you aren't in say North America, uh, you can show up and still participate in these without the whole timing time zones making it difficult. Um, we also run larger tournaments to kind of celebrate the release of new sets it's kind of timed up really nicely with alchemy releases okay um because when typically it was if a set launches on arena we would give people you know a couple weeks time to let a metagame develop people figure mm -hmm. out what they want get the cards and then the, we would have an event and it's timed up so now it's mostly like a week after the alchemy of the set releases. So for instance, we are actually having one on Saturday for mm -hmm. Streets of New Capenna uh, with all the Streets of New Capenna alchemy cards uh, being legal. Uh, mm -hmm. Now you, you talked about a, a, a metagame developing. What does the metagame for Gladiator look like? Oh, well, if you can think of something that you like to do in Magic, it's there. There's mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, classics uh mono red aggro uh death and taxes so mono white kind of hate bears a blue white control green based ramp um grixis control wink wink bring cruel ultimatum to arena uh please I'll, and thank I'll, I'll keep i'll keep beating that drum do what i can Oof. um all that kind of stuff, but also uh, you'll have decks that are more influenced by uh, recent releases. You know, we had uh, when Kamigawa came out, there was like a Mardu humans deck that played, you know, a bunch of these uh, samurai that also happened to be humans. Um, you have, and this might make some people groan, but trust me, the mana base isn't as good as, you know, 100 cards uh, in Camlander, but Thoracal decks are there. Uh, if that's what you're up to, <laughs> if you really don't want to fight that, you could also play tempo decks. You know, we have, um, like blue, green tempo, blue, mm -hmm. red kind of prowessy kind of tempo decks, mono blue. It's just so much. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's, I think what, and, and I'm sure this is part of the appeal for you too. It's, it's what attracts me to singleton formats because it's there's just so much you can do because you have to use a bigger card pool yeah if <laughs> i mean if at the beginning of gladiator you told me that future wheeler one of his favorite decks would be jund treasures or tr like jund i call it snacrifice <laughs> where it's like <laughs> Kind of a core, you know, use cards like Corvold, treasure yeah. tokens, food tokens, all that kind of stuff. Um, I would probably, I mean, I'd be shocked that there was a future me, but also kind of just that doesn't line up. How's that mm -hmm. a thing you can do? Yeah. But yeah. Cool. All right. Let's get two more singleton formats. And then we're just going to talk about some cards from Commander Legends. Uh, Brawl is the next singleton format. So this is... Uh, it can be played in paper or on arena, but it's primarily play, played on arena. 60 card singleton. There is a band list. There is no sideboard. You start with 25 life. Uh, you do have a commander as well. And the band list is found there at that gobbledygook at the bottom. And so it's kind of like uh, commander light. Uh, there's historic brawl and standard brawl, um, both available on arena. 
And then um, I put this one in here because it's, it is a singleton format. It's one of the most popular ways to play, but there's a ton of variation in cube. So we are going to talk about some of these cards in light of cube. So we'll, we'll throw this in here. It's, it's usually 40 card singleton because you're usually drafting. Uh, there are no banned cards because a cube is what you make it. Uh, sideboards are usually, again, whatever you draft, and usually you're playing 20 life. Now, I say usually on a lot of this because a cube is how someone designs it. They could design it for 60-card um, play. It could be non-singleton. Actually, the first cube I ever built was a Modern Masters cube from the first Modern Masters. And I built it so that there was four of every common, two of every uncommon, and then one of every rare mythic, so that you got a similar experience to actually drafting Modern Masters and just got to do it over and over again. So those are all guidelines. Um, typically, it's singleton. Typically, you're only going to see one of powerful effects. So we'll see a lot of that in here. Uh, there are, I, I will acknowledge, we talked about this at the top a little bit, there are a ton of singleton formats um, that are out there. Chat's talking about Oathbreaker. Um, someone's saying in Italy, they play a lot of Centurion Commander, which is actually new to me, but I've seen mm -hmm. several people mention that. Um, so there are a lot of- I should mention there's also a European Highlander scene mm. um, that, has they have a banned list hundred card no sideboard mm -hmm. um that has also been going on for quite some time um we colloquially referred to it as german lander but uh then uh finnish players kept winning all the big events and so it's like well <laughs> european highlight um, sure but uh yeah there's a to kind of touch on the point where you asked whether or not the Australian Highlander talks to a Canadian Highlander. It really yeah. is just that we all kind of borrow from each other. Yeah. It's all the same love of 100 card singleton. And so yeah, exactly. They're, they're just well, and that's at the core. It's kind of what you talked about. It's people want to play with these cards. I mean, that's what mm -hmm. attracted me to Canadian Highlander in the first place was I had all I've I've been playing for a long time. I had all these old cards that I wanted to play with in some form or fashion. And, you know, maybe for whatever reason, they don't make sense in Commander. They're, you know, too uh, focused on 1v1 play or whatever. Um, and so they don't make sense there. And so, yeah, kind of scratch Yeah, not to, date, not to date myself too much, but one of the driving forces behind the creation of Canadian Highlander uh, you know, I want to say 2004, maybe 2005, mm -hmm. was from cards that were no longer playable and extended, and you couldn't play them in, oh, at the time, Type 2 or Standard. Mm -hmm. Cards like Werebear. Werebear is the card I always bring up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so people are like, well, I want to play with this, but it doesn't really have a home. Yeah. So what are we going to do? And then mm -hmm. just kind of naturally built up from people wanting to play with their cards from Invasion Block or mm -hmm. cards from Odyssey Block. Yeah, for me, it was Gifts Ungiven that really got the ball mm. rolling. Couldn't, couldn't play with it in uh, Commander. They were just sitting there. Um, okay, let's talk about some Commander Legends cards. So um, I asked Wheeler to share some of his favorites from the set. Now, um, Wheeler also does a podcast called 
North 100, which is focused on Canadian Highlander. So some of these are going to be repeats from that list. I threw in some of my thoughts as well, which actually I was kind of shocked that a couple of these didn't get mentioned uh, in the North 100 episode. So we'll, we'll chat about that. But let's start with one we both picked that I think is going to make a lot of singleton formats. Uh, mm -hmm. Archivist of Ogma, I think. Oh, yeah. Agma, yeah. 2-2 two, two flesh uh, for one and a white, halfling cleric. Uh, so it falls into that sort of hate, bearish, death and taxes style thing, but I think this is going to see play in a lot of spaces. Whenever an opponent searches their library, you gain one life and draw a card. So, Wheeler, what makes this card so appealing in singleton formats? Well, it's a two-mana 2-2. Two, two with an ability that kind of slaps my opponent on the wrist for doing something that is usually up to no good. I mean, mm -hmm. it kind of hits on them for also using fetch lands, yep. uh, which is fair and good magic. But, you know, if they're casting a demonic tutor or cracking an expedition map, you know, they're probably trying to do something a little degenerate. So I think we can let the white player draw an extra <laughs> card. Um, well, yeah, and I think that's mm -hmm. one of the things I like about this is Someone cast Demonic Tutor, they'll, they'll probably be like, okay, yeah, have your card in your life. That's fine. But just the constant fetch lands are such a big part of a lot of these formats. That's the annoying part. Like, is getting that island worth giving them a card? Don't know. Yeah, there's already a bunch of timing considerations to make in a format like Canlander where you could be running Brainstorm cards with Delve. You know, you might have an opposing uh, Lion Sash or Scavenging Ooze that you don't want to, you know, really catch them uh, mm -hmm. eating up on their terms. And so you can kind of play this game of cat and mouse, except it's not all feel-bads the way it is with something like Stifle. For mm -hmm. another card from a Commander Legends that I'm certain we'll talk about in a second. Um, but yeah, for me, I mean, I love very small white creatures. <laughs> I love a good death and taxes. Uh, people might be familiar with um, the Canadian Highlander uh, year-end championship where I got to the finals with death and taxes. You only need to watch the first two games. Uh, just promise me. Just trust me. I won, maybe. Um <laughs> So yeah, anything like this, I, I love it. It's weird to say because it has flash, but this is the kind of card that is great in an Aether Vial deck. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, you, you were referencing another Commander Legends card, which from the first Commander Legends, Opposition Agent, which has mm -hmm. which is a little harsher in punishing shuffling, mm -hmm. but it does highlight that singleton formats, you know, Opponent searches their library, you put this card in standard, it probably doesn't do anything. Um, mm -hmm. You put this card in these in some of these higher-powered formats, and suddenly they become all-stars, which is also really cool contextually. Yeah, and even, you know, pushing that further, I mean, the Opposition Agent does pop up in formats like Vintage or uh, mm -hmm. Legacy, but... In something where 100 cards singleton, the kind of tutors that you have and just the number of cards that you have means that, you know, if you are playing a deck that's up to no good, be it creature combo or more traditional uh, stuff, then you might not have as many kind of countermeasures to stuff like Opposition Agent. Mm -hmm. And so 
it really gets a lot of power (laughs) in formats like Canlander. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same, same with Ogma. Yeah. Um, now before we go further, I do want to talk about, so we're, we spent a lot of time on Canadian Highlander there, but, um, one of the things to note is that some of these cards may be coming to Gladiator. Uh, but that's not clear yet. So we have an arena set coming out this summer called Alchemy Horizons Battle for Baldur's Gate, uh, which is kind of a sister set to uh, the Commander Legends versions. Now, obviously, some cards are going to translate really cleanly to arena, but some of them are focused on multiplayer, um, or they may not make sense in the context. Uh, so some cards will translate directly, some won't. Uh, so we'll, we're going to talk about them sometimes in the context of Gladiator, but that doesn't necessarily mean they are coming to Arena. We're guessing at this point. I actually don't know. I did that on purpose, completely blank and, in that space. Yeah, and from the perspective, like from the POV of someone in gladiator gladiator players will take whatever you want Mm -hmm. you know we will we will take any more cards some of the cards that people are most excited about you know once um the alchemy uh commander legends horizons was announced um it's just bread and butter commons and uncommons Mm -hmm. (laughs) because redundancy is so important in those formats and even you know the more powerful stuff that is just like the archivist of augma you know just it's just powerful Mm-hmm. And so it's like, if we get it, great. If we don't, okay. Yeah. But, you know, wouldn't say no. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the second card on our list. And I'll be honest, when I read this the first time, I had no idea what you were doing with it. I um, figured it out by listening to yeah. North 100. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Abdul Adrian uh gorian's ward so let me read this card real quick first of all it's five mana so thinking about this for canadian highlander is it's it seems out there it's four four when abdul adrian gorian's ward enters the battlefield exile any number of other non-land permanents you control until abdul adrian i can't say that name leaves the battlefield then create a one one white soldier creature token for each permanent exile this way so why the heck are you excited for this thing wheeler so if you ever see me excited about a card that costs more than four mana, I'm usually up to no good. That's yeah. kind of a, just a good rule of thumb. <laughs> um, and it's because Abdel does a very good impression of a card that is near and dear to my heart in Canadian Highlander. Uh, and that's World Gorger Dragon. Mm. Um, they both have abilities that remove things from the game, non-land permanence. I guess in World Gorger's case, it removes everything. But then they also say, hey, when I go away, everything comes back. And so both these cards combo pretty well with the enchantments that would reanimate a creature. Cards like Animate Dead, cards like uh, Dance of the Dead, Necromancy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm looking to go infinite with these cards. I don't ever intend on paying four and a white for this card. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I I play some pretty heinous stuff in this format. but usually I'm going to be playing mostly black mana to, ca- to get these cards into play sure. and then have them leave play and then come back. Um, in Abdel's case, you aren't getting the same setup that you might get with World Gorger Dragon, where one of the strengths of World Gorger is that you can remove lands. 
or rather you have to, which lets you add a bunch of mana and then you kill them with a big spell or repeatedly using an activated ability. Mm -hmm. But Abdel doesn't do that unless you have additional support. Although Mox Amber does technically add some mana for free. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, thank you, Abdel, for being a legend in this case. Um, <laughs> but you also just get a bunch of soldier tokens. And it's not as... I mean, getting infinite one ones is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and also, if somebody kills Abdel in response, um, I don't have to sign over the lease of my house and give them everything in my <laughs> pockets. Because when World Gorger dies, it's over. You're, yeah. you're gone. <laughs> but with Ab if Abdel dies, it's like, okay, well, we a good hustle team. Let's try again next turn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So something like that, This that seems very, you know, like I said, I've been playing a long time. I didn't identify that. I got it as soon as you said it, but I didn't identify it. How do you go about going through a set and saying, oh, this has this application in this singleton format? Well, I've spent a large portion of my life uh, memorizing every card in this game. And so <laughs> if I see anything with like, hey, that line of text seems familiar. Mm -hmm. uh usually able to pull it up and uh, you know i li like you have said i've played this format in particular for quite some time mm -hmm. you know over a decade at this point um and once you know i can't bring jeskai every week i can't bring I could bring eggs every week. That deck never gets tiring. But I, you know, I, I mix it up. I like to look at yeah. other things, look at other formats, and not just other singleton, you know, other um, uh, like Highlander variants, but also Commander. I think that's, I think that Commander proper is a great place for people that play Gladiator, that play Canadian Highlander, mm -hmm. that are building cubes to look at. Because those formats, especially once you get into the more competitive, you know, uh, circles of Commander, they're also just up to no good. Yeah. And so, yeah, being able to say like, hey, you're doing something that's a little unfair. Maybe I could do it in my format and mm -hmm. still be a little unfair. But, yeah. you know, also play Moxon and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> let's go on to our next card, Sailor's Bane. So despite Wheeler and I both being on this show, this is the only blue card we're going to talk about today. Sailor's Bane is a 9-mana, 7 and 2 blue, Dragon Turtle. It's a 7-7 seven, seven with Ward 4, but the, the kicker is that this spell costs one less to cast for each card you own in exile and in your graveyard. That's an instant card, a sorcery card, or a card that has adventure. So what's special about this card, Wheeler? Well, four is a very large number to have next to the word ward. Mm -hmm. um, and seven is a heck of a lot of power. So it's going to kill people dead. Uh, there's another very large blue creature that has kind of popped up in the past year or so uh, named Merktide Regent. Mm. And while Merktide Regent isn't exactly the same as Sailor's Bane, um, re again, redundancy is pretty key. And often... Uh, situations where Merktai Regent is very good is you're going to be casting a lot of cheap instants or sorceries. Yeah. Uh, and so it's very likely that if you are, you know, you're playing a deck with a bunch of cheap spells, 
like a blue-red deck or a blue-green kind of tempo strategy or, heck, uh, Grixis. This mm-hmm. is me pandering to you, Blake. Um, <laughs> this card is going to be relatively cheap to cast and is also just really difficult to get off the table. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be good in any format that has Delve. So you could mm-hmm. I mean you could play this in any of the Highlanders. You could play it in uh, Cube for sure. Um, maybe there's some things you can do with it in Gladiator Brawl. But what I like about this card, I mean you're re- referencing Grixis, but like I I did, I do my control decks tend to play a lot of Delve. But the mm-hmm. problem with Delve. Um, oftentimes is that you're competing for your own graveyard resources. There's there's a threshold of how many delve spells you can put in the same deck. But Sailor's Bane like piggybacks off of that. It doesn't cost you delve, it feeds off of delve. So it's like another delve threat that doesn't actually compete for the same resource, which is nice. Right. Not to mention the adventure creatures are very strong. You know, They're the ones that are yeah. printed in this set uh, are, are great role players. And I imagine that uh, after, you know, we've had a couple of years with Eldrain cards where people are like, oh, actually, I always want to play Bone Crusher Giant or Brazen Borrower mm-hmm. or Murderous uh, Rider. Mm-hmm. They are, you know, that the, the fact that it has the cost reduction from adventure cards will come up a non-zero mm-hmm. amount of times. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. All right, next up, we've got the best name in the set, Gut True Soul Zealot. Uh, Gut is a legendary creature goblin shaman for two and a red. It's a 2-2. It does have choose a background. Now, for most of these singleton formats, uh, that doesn't matter. It matters in Brawl, uh, or it would Mm -hmm. matter in Brawl. We don't know if backgrounds are coming to Arena. Whenever you attack, you may sacrifice another creature or an artifact. If you do, create a 4-1 black skeleton creature token with menace that's tapped and attacking. What do you like about this card, Wheeler? Well, it's got a great name. That's that's a really good starting Excellent point for name, me. Yep. Uh, it has what we in the business call ancient tomb mana, <laughs> which means that it has a, a mana cost of a single colored pip plus two generic mana, which is mm-hmm. great off cards like Ancient Tomb, you know, Soul Ring, Mana Crypt. Uh, there's kind of an archetype that is built around that kind of mana that we refer to as medium, you know, red or mm-hmm. medium green, that kind of thing. So it's easy to uh, get out ahead of the curve. Um, and then it's a goblin. I mean, I got a spoiler alert. There's, uh, in addition to the the podcast North 100, we actually are doing uh, a set of pre-recorded videos uh, called North 100 Showdown, uh, mm-hmm. where we you know showcase a bunch of different archetypes. And goblins is something that has always been near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I brought out goblins for one of those events, and wow, d- did it ever reignite a fire? Because holy smokes, is goblins very strong? And this card, mm-hmm. being a goblin, you know, it passes the first test. Uh, and then secondly, you have, you know, cheap artifacts, again, Soul Ring, uh, Moxin, you know, Chrome Mox, Mox Ruby. And you also just have cheap creatures that you don't mind getting thrown uh, into the, the old skeleton factory here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Card's great. Yeah. looks. I mean, I, I'm looking at the singleton formats. I'm like, where would I play? And honestly, in any format where it's legal, it's just because, again, that... A lot mm-hmm. of these effects will create a creature or whatever, but 
this it one it doesn't sacrifice the creature at end of combat or end of turn or anything like that two it's got four power and menace for some reason and then it's also tapped and attacking when it comes into play yeah menace is a keyword that is really good at killing people yeah. <laughs> that sounds very like oh thanks ben great insight but i don't think people really value just how much damage is getting pushed by four power on a menace creature mm -hmm. um especially when you see decks in these formats you know we don't have sideboards and so you can't go to game two and say like "Ooh, i gotta bring in all these life gain cards against my red opponent so yeah. you do have to play, you know, an assortment of cards that will also be good or helpful against the aggressive matches. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the most, in more recent years, that is also kind of blurred from, you know, we've gone from every deck playing Kitchen Finks or Thrag Tusk to saying, hey, Questing Beast is pretty good against Burn. Mm -hmm. uh, or, um, I don't know, Omnath, I guess. I'm, I'm trying Omnath. to think of other cards that aren't four drops. Uh, Cemetery Prowler from Eldritch Moon. Mm -hmm. They're not Eldritch Moon. Um, Crimson Vow, one of yeah. the re recent Innistrad sets. Yeah. So people are playing to the board more against these aggressive decks than just strictly mm -hmm. playing life gain cards. Uh, and those will still fall to a 4 1 menace. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Next up is. Man, am I going to be. Aranus Gloomstalker. Oh, uh, yes. Some more ancient two mana on this card. And this is, you know, we were just talking about playing to the uh, board, being good against red. This is a three mana, three, three um, that plays to the board really well. It's got Death Touch. It is a legendary creature, Halfling Ranger. Whenever Aranus Gloomstalker attacks, return target land card from your graveyard to the battlefield. And also has... Choose a background again. Not super relevant for most of these formats. What do you What do you like about this card, Wheeler? Well, this is my favorite card in the set for Canadian oh, wow. Highlander. Oh wow! I should say, yeah. Sorry okay. if I spoiled a bit for down the line, but um, <laughs> I'm a real sucker for it's an archetype in Highlander that we call the their land based mid range. They, mm -hmm. There's a catchier name, for instance, like. Uh, Abzan lands mid-range, Jun lands mid-range, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, when people hear lands, they might think of cards like Mox Diamond and Life from the Loam and Crucible Worlds, all that jazz, mm -hmm. um, which you will still play some number of those, but you kind of want pressure when you're you know, repeatedly playing Strip Mine mm -hmm. um, <laughs> out from your graveyard. <laughs> and so that's pretty good. That. The fact that this is easy to cast, those decks typically play Mana Accelerants, you know, Land mm -hmm. War Elves, that kind of stuff. Um, it has Death Touch, so it's a real pain to block. Um, and even if they do, it's got three Toughness, which is yeah. pretty good rate. Um, and then it's kind of in a weird spot where if, you know, returning Strip Mine to blow up all your opponent's lands wasn't enough, um, you could also return your own Caracas or be playing your own Caracas, which typically Caracas is going to be stopping uh, legendary creatures. But mm -hmm. in this case, if you're a lands deck, you're probably blowing up their Caracas first mm -hmm. and then using your own Caracas to protect your Aranus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. this is, I, I'm a big suck. I'm a real sucker for cards that have honest intentions <laughs> that are then used 
<laughs> to <laughs> just kind of be miserable. I mean, who am I kidding? <laughs> so, I mean, you look at this card, it is kind of an unassuming, uncommon. It has to attack. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It brings back a single land. But then you start to notice, yeah, that land is that land comes into play untapped. Uh, you can do this every turn. Um, and yeah, it just kind of builds up. And I, I think I think you could play this in cube pretty mm -hmm. easily. Um, you know, those there that, that land strip mine archetype is in a lot of cubes. It's on the Mitko Vintage cube. Um, again, we don't know if this is going to show up in Brawl. But there's a lot of, um, you know, for example, you can use this with the channel lands from Kamigawa. Mm -hmm where you get your yeah. use out of the land, and then you get the land into play to tap for mana. You get your cake and eat pretty, it, too. Pretty good with Fielder Ruin. Mm -hmm. You know, pretty good with Ghost Quarter in certain instances. Mm -hmm. um, there's just, yeah, I it, I don't want, like, Strip Mine was an example given, but I'm just happy as a clam if I'm returning, you know, Fabled Passage with yeah. this card. Yeah. That's just good value. I mean, I mean, yeah, your baseline for this is just get a fetch land back. Just do that. Mm -hmm. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about a land, Baldur's mm. Gate. So this is the legendary land Gate that taps to add a colorless or two and tap it add X mana of any one color where X is the number of other gates you control. Now, are there gate decks in any of these formats? So there are. The <laughs> Maze's End, uh, be it Gladiator, be it Canadian Highlander, I, I don't know why, but it seems as though people come up to me. I Maybe I said this during the set review for North 100. People come up to me like I'm Don Corleone, and they're asking, like, do I have permission to play Maze's End in Gladiator <laughs> or mm -hmm. Highlander? And it's really not up to me for me to decide. Like, you, yes, go ahead, by all means. Um, and before we received the support from this set, I may have thought, well, it's cute. You can kill me. With it occasionally but mm -hmm. most of the time you're probably going to be a little clunky mm -hmm. but now I, I mean there's a whole bunch of baldur's gate cards or sorry gate cards including baldur's gate being yeah. the most representative of that archetype but now you have my permission i mean you i this is something that i think will pop up in both canlander and gladiator you know mm -hmm. the level of success is going to be varying but uh if you know if it's available people are going to play this and uh, probably going to be killing some people with some mazes ends or some scape ships yeah all right next up uh we're probably going to talk about all the ancient dragons but uh ancient silver dragon is the one we'll start with so this is eight mana six and two blue for an eight eight elder dragon it's got flying and whenever Ancient Silver Dragon deals combat damage to a player, roll a d20, draw cards equal to the result. You have no maximum hand size for the rest of the mm -hmm. game. So you're you're ramping to eight mana and then casting this fairly and then waiting to attack next turn, right? Oh, Blake. Oh, Blake, Blake. Thank you for uh, thinking so highly of me. It's no, got like three Ancient Two mana. Yeah. <laughs> All I need is Ancient Tomb, City of Traders, and a Soul Ring, and I'm good there to go. go. Yeah. Um, no, I plan on cheating this into play. Uh, mm -hmm. How that's done could be a reanimation spell, could be through sneak attack. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm looking to ideally end the game, potentially end my opponent's whole career uh, <laughs> with a single attack, if that's okay. 
it's yeah it, i <laughs> there, we have a saying in these formats mostly in canadian highlander where it's you live by the draw seven die by the draw seven mm -hmm. because sometimes you cast a, a card that will draw you a whole bunch of cards like a wheel of fortune you know yeah. type of effect and it'll just be bad <laughs> you will draw i don't i can't tell you how many seven land wheel of fortunes i've drawn in my life but you know what you live with it because sometimes you also draw all gas or yeah. you just draw the average and the average is often good enough to just kill people i mean the average here is 10 and a half so that's that should mm. be good enough yes absolutely i i feel like a a spikier, more competitive audience would look at it and go like, well, what if I roll bad? It's like, I don't know. Uh, never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be me. So well, yeah, also at I, that point, I mean, you, you, you've dealt them eight damage. Like if you've connected yes. and you rolled poorly, even if you roll a one, you dealt them eight damage and drew a card for your trouble. Yeah, I guess I'm just going to have to do it all over again. Yeah. And that's fine. I know what I've signed up for. Uh, which of the other ancient dragons do you like in singleton formats? Uh, I, my favorite is Brass Dragon, I believe. I mean, I like this one as well. It does a good mm -hmm. Gristlebrand impression. Mm -hmm. um, ancient Brass Dragon, the red one, which is only... Yep. Oh, no, sorry. Copper? Copper is the red one. Copper. Yeah. You'll have to excuse me. I have difficulties with uh, dragons. Um the fact that this is only six mana, which is not, you know, nothing, but hey, mm -hmm. with a seething song, anything's possible. Um, but typically the decks that are looking to do really broken things with, say, reanimating a Gristlebrand or bringing back a, a Villus, you know, those kind of cards, they all just up the amount of cards that you have, mm -hmm. which is important, but it's nice to have one like a, a big threat that you can cheat into play attack with haste through, you know, again, sneak attack or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then have mana because often mana is more of a restraint than cards in these kind of decks. Yeah. So if I smack and hit the average of 10.5, um, the, I've just one and I need one tutor, you know, be it a demonic tutor or a grim tutor. I'm fairly certain I can kill my opponent. Yeah. You would hope so. Mm -hmm. All right, next up, we're going to go back into the white card pool with Deep Gnome Terramancer. Uh, another two mana, two, two, flash white creature. This one has whenever one or more lands enter the battlefield under, under an opponent's control without being played, you may search your library for a planes card, not a basic planes, a planes card. Put it under the battlefield tap, then shuffle. Do this only once each turn. Now, obviously, this is targeting ramp, but... Uh, Wheeler, what role does this play in singleton formats? Very similar to the uh, Archivist of Ogma that we started off with, mm -hmm. in that you are going to be able to punish people up to no good with this card. You know, if you're casting ramp spells, then great, I'll get some lands as well, but also hitting on uh, fetch lands that your opponent might play. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty big. Typically, the white creature decks don't need that much mana um but they won't say no i mean typically mm -hmm. these decks also play you know equipment like sword sword of fire nice batter skull and so having uh just extra mana to be able to 
slap on an equipment to make sure that this kind of card sticks around or your other hate bear sticks around is uh, pretty nice to have. All right. Now let's move on to the most refined of bears, Wilson Refined mm. Grizzly. This card has a lot of words on it for a two-mana 2-2. Two -two. It can't be countered. It has Vigilance. It has Reach. It has Trample. It has Ward 2. It also has Choose the Background, which, again, not terribly relevant. Where are you playing this, Wheeler? I think I'm just going to play this in any green deck that is looking to attack my opponent. Okay. You know, as soon as possible. <laughs> it's... Uh, it is. It it feels weird to say it is just a two two, but I can't imagine it's going to be a two two for that long. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, are you are you trying to stack things on this? Yeah, I th I think the you know the aforementioned uh, sort of fire and ice would uh, be very good with this bear. Um, mm -hmm. I'd like to see this bear hold an Umezawa's Jite. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, hop inside a batter skull, a bear tur skull. That's pretty strong. Mm -hmm. um, or just target it with uh, a Garrick activation, you know, give it plus three, plus three, and double trample. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this bear's yeah. scary. Could be. All right, so I threw in three additional cards um, mm -hmm. that we're going to go over now. So Alter of Ball was one that raised some eyebrows for me. So I, it's got a bone offering adventure thing. I don't really care about that. Um but it is an artifact for two mana that reads two and a black tap, exile a creature you control, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, activate only as a sorcery. This to me, I know you have to exile a creature, but it had sort of recurring nightmare vibes for me. Mm -hmm. Like it's I'm picking not, that up. Like you can't bounce between the same creatures because you have to exile a creature you control, but in a deck that um, creates tokens, you can bounce creatures. You can, you know, pull creatures back every turn. Um, you know, a lot of sacrifice decks have things like Scions laying around, or um, they, you know, have a Fiamancer, which is also a, a favorite in cube to pair with Recurring Nightmare. Um, mm -hmm. That card goes real well with Altar of Ball. I would definitely play this uh, in a lot of decks where I'd play Recurring Nightmare. Yeah, I like it. I mean, even cashing in something like a Llanowar Elf, you know, mm -hmm. a cheap mana dork later on in the game. I think I'm okay turning, you know, a Birds of Paradise into a Thrag Tusk. That yep. seems like a good deal to make. Yeah. I mean, this is one yeah. of those ways to get one of those Ancient Dragons back, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next up, this one is more fun to say than anything, but I was actually kind of surprised that it wasn't included in North 100. Uh, Raga Draga, or was it? I don't remember now. I said that. And I, I don't believe wrong. so. So Raga Draga, Gorgut's boss, two, a red and a green. It's a 4-4. Four, four. Each creature you control with a mana ability gets plus two, plus two. Uh, whenever a creature you control with a mana ability attacks, untap it. And whenever you cast a spell, if at least seven mana was spent to cast it, untap target creature. It gets plus 11, plus seven, and gains trample until end of turn. I was actually thinking of this card wheeler in Crater Hoof. Ooh. This to me seems okay. like a potential for, you know, for those who don't know, the, the Crater Hoof deck in Canlander is, it's mostly an elves deck, but it's like an elves natural order kind of deck. Sometimes it splashes red. Um, I know sometimes it has black in there, uh, 
but it's mostly green, trying to hit Crater Hoof and a bunch of creatures. This seemed like uh, this seemed like a possible mid-rangeish sort of threat that turns all of your little elves into pretty big threats. I could see it. I mean, that's a deck where you're always hungry for some good four drops. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny that archetype traditionally hasn't had, especially the red green variation mm-hmm. hasn't had a huge amount of four drops that it's happy to play up until recently, mm-hmm. which is a little important when the name, the you know name of the game, the big thing that you're usually looking to get out. I mean, crater hoof is, you know, the end game, but also primeval Titan, mm-hmm. um, having a four drop to then Eldritch evolution into a six drop in the form of primeval Titan Mm. is huge and Mm -hmm. something the deck has kind of struggled with. So I guess if you're looking for another four drop that will also give you something to do with your cards, you know, it it can actually kill your opponent through like a mid range game plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I could see this. Yeah. Uh, we are running out of time, so last card anyway. Uh, Jahira, Friend of the Forest. So what struck me about this one, and I know um, you've mentioned things in this space on North 100 before, is this doesn't say token creatures you control have tap add green. This says mm-hmm. tokens you control have tap add green. So, um, you know, if this makes its way onto Arena, for example, uh, for Gladiator, you can that treasure deck you were talking about. All those treasures oh, yeah. don't have to sacrifice to make mana now. They just tap to add a green. Food taps to add a green. Um, mm-hmm. You know, any sort of random clue tokens, to- clue tokens tap to add a green. So uh, I think there, there could be something to this. Now, green doesn't have any problem making green mana, but there could be some things in there. Yeah, can you ever have too much mana? You know? I it's, don't, I don't think so. And you, I mean, if I have all these clues lying around or if I have some blood tokens, like I'm going to want the mana to be able to crack them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, this is another card where it is, I mean, I don't want to say it's seemingly innocent, but mostly looking to play this card and then untap with approximately a million mana. Yeah. Or just play it and immediately do something else. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, we are just about a time, uh, just about out of time. Words. Uh, mm-hmm. I, first of all, I want to thank Wheeler for joining us and talking to us about singleton formats and mostly Canadian Highlander and all these Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate cards. That set comes out today. Go down to your local game store, check it out. You can get some of these cards. Uh, start adding them to your singleton decks. Uh, coming up on Weekly MTG, next week we are going to be in the morning. We'll send out some some social messaging to uh, let everybody know exactly what's going on there. But that is our Double Masters debut. So we will be talking Double Masters next week. Uh, all kinds of previews, all kinds of shiny things. It'll be fantastic. Um, and then coming up, yeah, coming up this weekend, like I said, the release of Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate. Uh, we've referred to it a few times, but Alchemy Horizons Battle for Baldur's Gate, you'll learn, you'll start learning more about that in an upcoming Arena weekly blog. So keep your eyes on those. Uh, otherwise, Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week.